It was a night 16 years in the making. The fans did not disappoint, and the Padres certainly did not disappoint either. A wild one to relive with you. Derek Togerson, darn a trip. Before we get going, though, got to show our love for the sponsor of the On Fire podcast. Thanks to OG's All They Do for NBC7, for On Fire, the Sport Trap team, football night team. They got specials going all the time. You can eat pizza, drink beer, and earn rewards at select OG's locations. They're always releasing new beers. Got a fantastic beer list. And football season, place to be, is OG's, of course. Probably a good place to catch a Padres game as well if you can't get into Petco Park. Uh, so check out OG's whenever you want to catch a game. Great place to be, great food, great beer. And uh, again, thanks to all, thanks to OG's for all they do for the On Fire podcast. Time for the walk-up music. All right, it is the On Fire podcast brought to you by NBC7. I am Darnay Tripp, joined by Derek Togerson, who uh, is on his way home from Petco Park after a wild night. 2-1 victory over the Dodgers, one win away from the NLCS. Derek, how would you describe what you just witnessed? Uh, in a word, totally freaking awesome. <laughs> I mean, that... That place was that place. It was. It's a cliche now in sports. That place is electric. I mean, it's honestly we haven't really had an atmosphere like that at Petco Park. The two times I can think of since you know the playoffs in 06. One of them was um, June eighteenth of last year. The first full crowd game in San Diego since the pandemic started, and that was when Victor Caratini hit that walk off. Into a sea of you San Diego against the rent. Exactly. The Dono with a great call on that. And then uh, 2017 when team USA was playing in the world baseball classic, when Adam Jones made that amazing catch in right center field against his good buddy, Manny Machado, who would then later on become a San Diego Padre. Aside from that, man, it's been, it's been some slim pickings in that ballpark for a long time. <laughs> and to have that kind of, of atmosphere, and then even more than that, because you knew it was like, – it's, it's an old hat. It's an old story. We knew that place was going to be jumping. We knew it would be packed. We knew it would be loud. From the first pitch to the last, the Friar Faithful were, were in full-throated awe. You know, <laughs> I mean, it was they, – they didn't – they didn't – Bob Melvin even said afterwards, like, they didn't stop. Yeah. He was going, they started even before the game, and they, they just didn't stop, which is awesome, you know. But even more than that, like we knew that was going to happen. The way that they won that game, the way that, you know, Blake Snell was sharp and then not and then got out of it. And then they got two timely hits. And it was Jake Cronenworth and Trent Grisham who got the two timely hits. And then that bullpen, when Nick Martinez did the coming in the sixth inning to strand that runner or second base with one out, I mean, were made very quick work of the two hitters he faced. And then front. Luis Garcia, Robert Suarez, and Josh Hader to come in, all of them throwing 100 miles an hour. Hmm. What are you doing? I don't care how good that Dodgers lineup is. You can't do much with that. 
it was so impressive that they had the game and they didn't let it get away because that, that's been the bugaboo against the Dodgers especially. L.A. will take advantage of a mistake and they'll get you. And I was worried early in the game the Padres were letting them hang around. They had runners on in the first inning and they only got one of them in. Runners on in the second, runners on third. Couldn't get any of those guys in. I'm thinking, oh, man, you're letting this team hang around. That's going to be your undoing. But for them to just keep their foot on their throat and not let them back up, that was something I have not seen from this team against the Dodgers all that often. And that was incredibly encouraging to win two straight against them, which I haven't done since June of 2021, which is stupid to think about when they play six (laughs) series a year against each other. Yeah, uh, I I do want to go back to the crowd. You covered a lot there and obviously want to kind of dig into to the, the win, how they got it done, and, and what it means for Saturday and the rest of the series. Um, but just real quick on the crowd, you you were there for the duration. I had to dip out early. I got there a little bit late, and what was amazing was walking up to Petco Park. I was blocks and blocks and blocks away, and you could hear the swells. You could hear the roars you know, during pregame and, and all that, and, and just the energy that was – throughout the streets in downtown and then and then walking on my way back seeing the bars packed and people you know locked in everybody facing a tv screen and and just kind of taking it all in and obviously the atmosphere within the stadium i think one people one thing that people noted not as much blue as you generally see during those regular season games like it was packed with padres fans which was unbelievable every opportunity for a beat LA chant, like anything positive that happened, like the roars just kind of evolved into a beat LA chant. And it was just electric all the way throughout. I mean, even like somewhat mundane moments, there was just a different level of juice in the building. I mean, that Jake Cronenworth RBI single, like the, the, the noise level was like a grand slam for any other game. It was just on a different level. I mean, the Ha Sung Kim chance when he came up in the fifth inning. Now, granted, he, he ended up striking out, but so incredibly loud. And obviously the Trent Christian Homer, and I'm sure you could attest to, I've just seen videos of the final out. But uh, just the the noise, the energy, the buzz in that building was, was phenomenal. I was curious what it was going to be like. I mean, for my money this season, the best environment that I experienced, at least in person, was the first game after the trade deadline when Juan Soto made his debut. And and that was just uh, the building was on fire. And this was Bob Sel- Melvin said it earlier in the week. He doesn't know how they'd get to another level because it's been so impressive. And yet they managed to do it. And hats off to the Friar faithful. And like now, can you imagine what it's going to be like on Saturday when they have a chance to beat the Dodgers and go to the NLCS? Like somehow they're going to find another level. It's just bonkers. And with Joe on the mound, and with Jake Peavy throwing out the first pitch before Joe <laughs> takes the mound, I mean, how come perfect on. is this setting up? You know, it's wild. And you mentioned that you mentioned the Dodger fans, and it was really cool. I counted maybe, maybe Darnay, a couple thousand of the you know forty-two thousand that were there. Yeah, which, as you know, doesn't happen at Petco Park. And what's really cool about this is it shows that the people who have the tickets at San Diego really care. Because, you know, season ticket holders, look, you, you, you'll sell them to a couple, a couple of the Dodger games, a couple of the Giants games, whatever, because that will help pay for basically your entire season ticket plan, or at least half of it, just selling a couple of those games because those fan bases will pay exorbitant amounts of money to get the tickets. For the playoffs, you don't do that. And for the playoffs, the Padres fans did not do that. And that goes to show you exactly how loyal these fans and these people truly are when it gets down to it and when you show them that you're trying to win – and then have some success. People call it bandwagoning. I don't think it's that. I think it's because this town has been 
losing for so long, you really have to show them and make them believe that the wool is not being pulled over their eyes this time. And now that that's not happening, this fan base is going to show up in mass. I remember 2013 following the Chargers around and getting to the hotel in Denver in the second round after they went to Cincinnati and won that game. And the entire hotel was San Diego. So San Diego basically picked up and moved to Denver. <laughs> it was incredible. Tom Telesco even said, even when he was with Peyton Manning at the height of the Colts' power winning a Super Bowl, he never saw anything like that. When this fan base and this city gets energized, there is nothing like it. It felt like that felt like Fenway Park in the playoffs. That felt like Wrigley Field in 2016 in the playoffs. It was it was incredible there. Yeah, I mean, how can it be any better than it, than it was tonight? And and you know, to 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 have it in front of a national audience and for everybody to see that, I, I think is really cool. And you know, you see kind of the national folks talking about it. It's a tip of the cap to the Friar Faithful. I mean, they've been bringing it all season, and they brought it tonight in the biggest game and and the coolest set of circumstances that the fan base and the team has had since 2006, which is uh, just wild. And to take advantage and to now be where they are is incredible. Um, man, where to go with this game? I mean, you, you hit on a lot. I think the bullpen piece is, you know, has to be pretty much up there with 1A. 16 scoreless innings going back to game two of the wildcard series against the Mets. 13 scoreless so far against the Dodgers. And you always hear about, like, L.A.'s bullpen and all these guys that they seem to bring in out of nowhere that you've never heard of that typically just shove. And now the Padres are doing that, and that is their strength. And this group has been on fire, and it's not like it's been easy. I mean, seeing Suarez get through some stuff, especially the last couple games, um, and all of a sudden, you know, with Tony Gonsolin having to start what was essentially a bullpen game, now you wonder if one of the strengths of this Dodger team, um, you know, is is lessened a, lit, a little bit because of the circumstances, and those guys having to fill more innings in the first of a potential back-to-back-to-back. Um, and so you've just seen the momentum shift and some of these strengths that maybe would have been in the Dodgers' favor, um, now in the favor of the Padres, and uh, if you are a believer in momentum, I mean, what can you say about the way the Padres have just uh, stolen it away from the Dodgers? And once again, LA is not looking like themselves in the most important part of the season. And gosh, it's uh, all the momentum, obviously, with, with it being at Petco Park, the, the buzz, the environment's going to favor the Padres. But even if they were going to Dodger Stadium, the amount of confidence that the Padres are playing with and as, as un-Dodger-esque as the Dodgers have looked, you talk about the, the errors. We saw it in Game 2. Trey Turner again tonight. Uh, the guys not capitalizing in key spots. What were they, you know, in kind of the, uh, let's see, 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position, 7 left on base. I had a buddy say after Game 2, well, good luck you know, having the Padres get out of the jams that they did to win game two, they they did it again tonight. And like how much of it is the Padres bullpen? How much of it is the Dodgers just not quite being themselves? However you shake it out, advantage Padres. And it's just unbelievable to see where they are given the way things have gone for so much of the season. And now they're one win away from the NLCS. It's just crazy. They made a lot of really good pitches against a really good lineup. And as everybody always says, if you have really good pitching and really good hitting, the good pitching is going to win. 
the vast yeah. majority of the time. And that's what happened. He had some guys who were really good pitchers who were making their pitches. They didn't, they didn't give the Dodgers the mistakes because mm-hmm. that's what happens. You leave one out over the plate and they get you. They didn't do that. They didn't miss with anything. And then Josh Hader coming into that game, that, that looked like the guy who was the best closer in baseball for four and a half years. And yeah. he might have even looked even better than the guy who was the best closer in baseball for four and a half years. I don't know what has gotten into this. Start building Ruben Niebla's statue in Petco Park right now for what he's done with his entire pitching staff. It's it's incredible. And I, you know, talk, listening to Dave Roberts afterwards, he's like, "That's a good ball club. That was an amazing atmosphere. It's a really good ball club, and we got our work cut out for us tomorrow." Now, here's the thing: you also got to realize this Dodgers team not exactly shorts on postseason experience. They have been down 3-1 in an NLCS to the Braves yeah. and come back to win that series. This is not a team that is down and out by any stretch of the imagination. So Saturday, I really think Saturday, whoever wins Saturday's game wins the series. Obviously, because it's the Padres who win that, and they will knock them off because they win that game. If the Dodgers win that series and they go back to Dodger Stadium and it's Mike Clevenger against Julio Arias again on regular rest, I don't see the Padres going into that environment with with that kind of uh, pitching situation and winning game five. It's all or nothing for the Padres tomorrow or yeah. on Saturday, whenever you're listening to Sunday. So whenever you're listening to this, whatever <laughs> Saturday game four is. <laughs> yeah, it, it would it would sure be nice to just avoid that situation entirely. It'd also be interesting to see what happens. That uh, you know, you Darvish was was asked about potentially appearing in a in a Sunday you know closeout series deciding game, and so he would potentially be a factor as well. But you know, again, nice to avoid that with Joe Musgrove on the mound. And uh, you know what what was a shame, you know, with what happened and how it played out with the Mets and the whole ear situation is it, it really did overshadow how spectacular he was. And now it's another opportunity for Joe to do what he does. And, you know, you talk about a guy that's comfortable in that situation and, you know, he showed it in that closeout game. And so you expect to see, you know, you, you never quite know how things are going to play out, but you, you don't figure Joe will get, uh, shook up at all by the situation he is so good under pressure and uh if he pitches the way he did against the Mets then you feel like you got a chance um can can yeah, you just the, the reason that got overshadowed though is because guys like Brian Kenny are idiots right right, right. no no I know people did right, grab onto a, that whole narrative and story which is unfortunate because they should be talking yeah, about how good Joe Musgrove is yeah. it's stupid it's stupid and oh by the way you look at all the ball players who were talking about it they all said yeah it's totally cool and there's some of these people who yeah, talk about baseball that don't understand the game. They were, were you know, fire and brimstone, screaming from the rooftops. He's cheating. Shut up. You don't know what the <laughs> hell you're talking about. You haven't been around the situation. Go away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Brian you, Kenny, you're an idiot. How do you describe what's going on with Trent Grisham and Austin Nola right now? You don't. There's no, October logic, baseball. there's no rhyme or reason to it. There's no rhyme or reason to it. I, I asked Bob Melvin, I'm like, are you out of superlatives for Trent Grisham? He just laughed. He's like, yeah, <laughs> kind of. I mean, the guy, and he said, this is the kind of talent the guy has. And it's you, there's really no explanation for why it's all coming out in the, in the postseason right now. This is the crazy awesome stat. He joins Jim Lairitz, Ken Caminiti, and Greg Vaughn as Padres who have hit three or more home runs in a postseason. He's played six games. Wow. Those other guys 
went through a division series, an NLCS, and a World Series. Like that's that's crazy to think about. Yeah, it's nuts. It is absolutely nuts. Um, you know, just looking at the the other thing about tonight's game is Profar 0 for three at the top of the lineup. Soto, you know, scored a run, didn't give you much otherwise. A couple of really hard hit balls, you know, that were a couple oh, no, feet hold away. On. That double was that double was huge because of when it that's happened. True. Yeah. Because that's the second batter of the game. The crowd is still into it. You know, you, yeah. Sometimes the crowd can kind of, you can lose it a little bit early, but when the dude that they sent the massive prospect hall for rips his first extra base hit in the postseason to right field and then scores a the game's first run, because of when that happened, that was yeah. massive. Yeah, yeah, no question. Um, I, but a, a, a couple good swings, you know, that that had people out of their seats. Uh, Machado three. Well, they want nothing to do with Manny Machado right now, and that's clear the way that they are attacking him and and wise to do that. Uh, Josh oh, Bell not attacking over, him at all. He walked three times again tonight. Yeah, Josh Bell. They're, avoid, they're avoiding him like COVID. Will Myers zero for four. Hassan Kim zero for four. Um, you know, if if you get one of those Juan Soto, Manny Machado type games again tomorrow night, and and we've seen it in spots, you know, this postseason certainly game two against the Dodgers. Um, again, this was one of those nights where, like, a low scoring, grinded out type game. There was definitely meat left on the bone. Um, I, I, I we gotta we gotta show some appreciation for Bla- Blake Snell, right? I mean, this is a guy that uh, obviously struggled against the Mets, felt confident, felt good going into the start, and you know he did what they needed him to do. You know, going five plus innings, gave up the one earned run again, was far from perfect. Couple runs, scattered five hits, six strikeouts. I mean, he he looked incredible the first two innings, and then. Um, you know, got himself into some trouble in the third and was able to navigate his way out of it with some help from Manny Machado. The defense uh, behind, you know, the staff has just been tremendous for the most part this postseason. Um, but Blake Snell did what they needed Blake Snell to do and, and credit to him. You know, he didn't get him through seven innings or anything like that, but there were so many instances where we've seen Blake Snell get into trouble and it turns into two, three, plus runs and he didn't let that happen tonight and that was enormous yeah the, the leadoff single by Mookie Betts I started thinking oh boy he looks a little tentative <laughs> and then he, he blows away Turner Freeman and Smith They're like okay that that's the Blake Snell San Diego deserves and the one that we need right now yeah you, you Batman fans will appreciate that he was <laughs> yeah when when he got into trouble you know a little bit in the third inning he was couple runners get on and then it's like all right because you can usually tell with him early you can usually tell with him early and so it's easy to be concerned in those spots uh but to his credit didn't let it blow up and turn into one of those types of snail outings which is great yeah it was awesome now i still i still don't need 96 pitches to get you know 16 outs but you know (laughs) i'll take this over what we saw in new york no question and yeah he was I think his stuff is electric. He struck out six. He only walked two this time, which, you know, that's, that's not too bad. I guess the Dodgers lineup that really works counts and draws a lot of walks. So, Blakesdale was, was everything they needed him to be on Friday night. And uh, that, that's a really good sign, hopefully moving forward. 
Yeah. Um, trying to think any other impressions for the night. They showed Don and Mud on the big screen and the whole place erupted, which is just just so wonderful. I mean, it's such a Padres thing. And uh, that was one of the cool moments of the night. Um, you got a chance to hear from the guys afterwards anything that anybody said that that stuck with you? Nick Martinez said they trust everybody in the bullpen. And they go out there and they're just, he said, he called, we're just a bunch of dogs out there. We just go, hmm. like, anybody who's out there, we're going we're gonna to go out there and we're going we're gonna to get the job done. The, the confidence that he is, and even Bob Melvin said, you know, about the ballers at the end, but Martinez might have had the toughest role of them all coming in when the starter has a runner at second base and just one out, and you're trying to keep that run from scoring. And he, and he was able to do that fairly easily. That was you know, singled out by Melvin. That was a huge outing from him. And I talked to Austin Nola about those guys, and he's like, man, from a catcher's perspective, you come out there, you got three dudes throwing triple digits. Like, it's fun to catch that game. It's fun to see those guys coming in. And plus they're also commanding it in the strike zone. And they're also located off speed pitches, which if you've got that, he just shook his head and goes like, man, it's just, it's really hard on the other team. Yeah. So when you've got a team playing like this, man, it is just, it's really, really impressive. And I think the thing that struck me the most was when Trent Grisham said, was asked about playing in this atmosphere. And he said, simply it's surreal. It's, it's just incredible. You know, like he was almost speechless with what, this crowd was able to do and the juice they were able to give this. If this game is played like this at Dodger stadium, Darnay, I honestly don't know if it doesn't change, you know, but with, with what the crowd was able to do for this game, it, it absolutely made a difference and it was absolutely a factor. And uh, I guess the other thing we're talking about here is, you know, the Phillies won. They're up hmm. two games to one on the Braves. And Austin Nola was asked, uh, hey, <laughs> your parents can be watching uh, a couple baseball games tomorrow when uh, they got both of their kids might be able to meet in the National League Championship Series and closeout games. And he's like, they're going to be glued to the TV. They are, <laughs> they, are, they are not leaving. They'll be watching baseball the whole day long. And it's going to be great. Good um, for the Nolas. Keep this in mind. Yeah, that's so cool for them. That's a, that's a cool family. Uh, keep this in mind. If the Phillies do win that, and the San Diego will be hosting the National <laughs> League Championship Series, which is literally the only scenario that could have happened for the Padres to host the NLCS. It, like, that's weird, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And you talk about teams that have the juice. I mean, the Padres have the juice. I didn't watch the Phillies game, but just seeing highlights and the Reese Hoskins homer and the bat slam and, and you know, I, we, we, we know about Philly. We know how the, the crowds can get and the atmosphere that they can generate there. And, and those are the teams that have all the momentum on their sides. And there's just a feel about the Padres. Like it doesn't guarantee anything, but this isn't a team that you feel like is just like surviving and getting by, which was often the case during the regular season. Like this is a team that has like real momentum and real energy and excitement and togetherness. Blake Snell talked about how like together the team feels and there's a selflessness about it. And there's just a feel around this team that is, is different. And Heck, they got they got the geese on their side. They got the geese in the dugout. I mean, there's like these little weird, quirky, like postseason baseball type things that 
fan bases and teams just grab onto and and if whether it's superstition or just for the fun of it uh there's all these elements in place right now in san diego against historically one of the best teams we've seen and uh it is just an incredible sight to behold and the fact that it could potentially culminate with no no joe the grossmont kid on the mound game four saturday night in the east village is just you couldn't write it any better and uh i don't know man we'll see if uh if things go down that way saturday peco park might just like end up floating down the harbor it's gonna be i mean the, the building the building's gonna levitate it's gonna be absolute bedlam well let me let me uh, leave you all with this the two teams <laughs> that are leading right now are the padres and the phillies they are also the two teams in the National League that clinched their playoff spots in the last five days of the season. Don't try and tell me that momentum doesn't exist in sports. And I know it's only as good as the next day starting pitcher. But when you've got a team that has been in basically playoff mode for a month, so some of these clubs that have stuff locked up with three, four weeks there, it is very difficult to flip that switch again. I think we might be seeing a little bit of that where a team that just gets in this groove and gets in this routine of they have to play great baseball every single day. No one is going to argue that the Padres are more talented than the Dodgers or that the Phillies are more talented than the Braves. But when it comes right down to it, who's playing the best baseball at that time is going to be the team that wins. And that very might be, Darnay, what we're witnessing right now. No question about that. Well said. And on top of that, I mean, just the fact that those teams sat during the wild card series. You know, and the Padres were already yeah, playing uh, these types of games. Off. Yeah. Yeah. And they were they had to go to New York. You know what I mean? They had to go into enemy territory and get the job done. I mean, that that does something for a team and probably makes the prospect of going to Dodger Stadium and playing LA seem a little bit less daunting or less less of not less of a challenge, but like you've been through some stuff already. Uh, and that has obviously benefited the Padres and see if they can do it on Saturday night, but that's a fantastic point and, and a good way to close it out. Uh, hope to have another one of these for you Saturday night. Um, Derek's taking care of things on the TV side. It's a, it makes for a hectic schedule and long nights, but uh, what better time to do it um, than in times like this and situations like these. So appreciate you guys listening. Speaking and, of, I'm going to go edit the morning show package now. <laughs> good on, good on you at uh, 1220, a late one for you guys, a quick one, but uh for the folks that can't fall asleep, something to listen to and, and helps you get through the day in the lead up to first pitch, uh, those anxious hours waiting for the game to arrive on a Saturday. Good catching up with you, Derek. Great work. Thanks for taking the time. And thanks to everybody for listening. Talk to y'all.